on today's creativity chat, I have the lovely Rebecca Botter. <laughs> She's blinking in a very whimsical <laughs> way. <laughs> Rebecca and I have been friends for almost six years. We started off as sweet mates. Yes. And at a camp, I was the videographer and she was the camp actress mm -hmm. and we bonded. And today we're going to talk about life after your dreams have yet to come true. I don't know how to word that better. I love that. Okay. Yeah. It might not be like, you know, the most like searchable thing, but we'll, I'll work on a title later on. We love it. It's great. So Rebecca, Hey, you, when I met you, you were living in Tennessee. You were about to graduate, but prior to graduating, you were about to go to London to study abroad. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about quick, like thought process of, Hey, quick. I'm going to London. Uh, I'm in London. Oh, I'm going back to Tennessee. Uh, now what? So I went to London, and the, but I was studying at Oxford. And um, I think there's something about completing something that you were really scared of doing. Mm -hmm. And I was completely heartbroken afterwards. And the new experience, a great thing, but like kind of that great thing was singular. And I think that's happened to me a few times is that Oxford was this amazing singular experience, but it really didn't lead to the next thing mm -hmm. or didn't seem like it was leading to the next thing. Um, because when I studied there, I, I mean, you knew, I had this like weird thing where I like talked about myself like I was like actually not, not intelligent at all. And, um, and so that, that time over there, it made me realize like, oh, I have something to say. And oh, actually, maybe I do know what I'm talking about, different things. So I went through a big internal transformation, um, but it really didn't change any of my external circumstances, if that makes sense. Uh, it makes total sense because you came back to Tennessee and, and you mm. were in this kind of state of, well, now what? Now what? Yeah, and I had one more semester of um, college. And I remember my closest friend um, at the time came to see me in my dorm I think it was like maybe the first time I was like where, where I can definitely put my finger on it. And I was very depressed at the time. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have a word. I just didn't think I was, we were just talking about that. Like that doesn't happen to me. It happens to other people, but I just am sad all the time. Right. Um, but I just remember her coming into the apartment and I just cried so hard. And I just said, I do not want to be here. Every single piece of me I had changed so much and I didn't want to be back at the place I was, but also, um, I did have dreams of going to a drama school that I later got into and I attended, but, um, now I've been out of that for a year and a half. So it's kind of this cyclical experience. I, I don't think I actually stated the fact that you were an actress I am. and right after Tennessee, you moved to Chicago where I, I got to come visit you. you. did. <laughs> yes. You were maybe one of my, I, my best friend Annie came and visited me and then you came. I think that was it. Mary you Caroline. Know? Mary Caroline. Yeah. yeah. yeah this sister. is true. Yes, yeah. of course. We can't leave her out. We can't. Hey, um, Mary Caroline. Hey, <laughs> I told her that um, I was coming over here and Mary was like, then she's met a lot of my friends and she was mm -hmm. like, wait, which one? And I said, the one that has the soul of a tree. And you said, you've never <laughs> felt more peaceful <laughs> in her entire life. Mary was like, oh, I love her. <laughs> um, yeah. If anyone follows me or eventually follows me on social media, it's pretty much just a fan account for my little sister. <laughs> and uh, I guess we should shut that out. The search for pink. The search for pink. I mean, I've wanted to change it and I don't have... I don't have a big following, but I have a very passionate following. And um, 
They don't I, want me to change it. I've been following probably since since you started. So 2017 is 17. I yeah, I started it in um, December, or January, G- like the first day of January, I want to say mm-hmm. of and today is it's I've now done it for three years. Oh, my goodness. Like three years and a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, which was a huge, huge life changing thing. Because you went to Chicago mm-hmm. and you were auditioning for plays and different things like that. Yeah. Can we kind of talk about that time? Because Chicago? I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of the main things is so I had a semester more than my friends and I knew this drama school I wanted to audition for in mm-hmm. London. And so I, I I was very aware of it, but I didn't uh, tell any of my friends. I didn't want to fail in front of everyone. And I knew everyone failed kind of their first year after school. Um, <laughs> lols, I failed for like, <laughs> like ever since. Um, but I didn't want to mess up in front of everyone and be auditioning for the local theaters. So I was like, what's an impressive city? And I pretty much, and a guy at Oxford had said, oh, because I was studying Shakespeare there. He mm-hmm. was like, oh, literally, this guy named Caleb said, Chicago has a Shakespeare theater. He didn't even mention it's one of the top in the country. And I remember <laughs> Googling it in Oxford and thinking, I l- remember the website. I was just like, I guess I'll do that. And so I applied for one in New York and one in Chicago. And I was just like, I will go where, and I was terrified. It was also really hard and very, very depressed there because I had no friends and I was living in a, in a, like a millionaire's basement and I like lived an hour out of the city and I didn't mm-hmm. have it. It was just bad. Um, though some of it sounds cool, but, um, yeah, I really just didn't want to fail in front of people. And I just like knew I had to get into this drama school. Um, and so I was going to go and wait to audition and I would do it in a city where it sounded way more cool. Mm-hmm. Literally, I was more concerned of how people were talking about me. How you're perceived. Yeah. I don't know. And I, and it's weird. I, I didn't, we didn't realize that at the time. I don't think. Yeah. I, it was, it was really strange, but I don't even feel like I'm, I mean, you can be completely honest. Kristen knows me really well. I don't even think I'm one of those people that it's big on how people perceive me. But maybe at that time you were. You know that's what I mean? Because right now, no, I would say that's not the case. Yeah. But maybe it was before like the search for pink and all of that. And also I think it had to do with my college friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like specifically them, maybe not as much now, but I feel like for some reason I always felt like I needed to prove myself to them. Mm-hmm. And I really don't feel that way with any other groups of friends I've had before or since. It's weird. Um, college specifically. You auditioned for Lambda. I did. I didn't get in. You didn't get in the Mm-mm. first time. Yeah. No, I didn't. I was waitlisted, but actually getting that waitlist email, um, it led to still a difficult year, but I remember crying mm-hmm. tears of joy because I wasn't, I, I, I didn't even know if it was even a inkling, even if I like I was any good. I had no idea because at my college I got leads the first year and then everyone was like oh Rebecca's the one that loves acting and I knew I was good um but in such a small pond right and so I think I had to prove to myself and really more to myself that I could do something outside of it and I was told by um someone I was really close to pretty much like it's not it doesn't happen for kids from this school like big dreams don't come true pretty much like you should be happy with what you have here because I think she was convincing herself to be happy with what she had there, which is great. She's doing great things, but um, it wasn't healthy for her to be telling that to me 
that was something she needed to experience. And that was difficult. It, it really affected me mentally for a while. So anyways, I didn't get in and I was ready to move back to Nashville. And I remember, um, praying with one of my friends, Bree, she, she like, I didn't mention her in an earlier thing. Um, but when I was waiting for New York or Chicago, she told me Oxford is not the last good thing that is going to happen to you. And, um, I just met her that semester. I still adore her. Um, and she was so right. Mm -hmm. And then I came back, I was in Chicago. I was so miserable there. And I remember telling her, I don't feel like God cares if I go to Nashville or Chicago or anywhere. He just wants me to be a good person. But I was saying that like sobbing on her dorm room bed, she was like packing up for the summer maybe. And she looked at me and she goes, do you really think that's true? And I just wept. And I had, had this little moment um, as I was leaving Chicago of like, I always reference um, that moment in um, Pride and Prejudice. where <laughs> Which um, version? Mm, the 2006 version with Keira Knightley. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Like, I know I am... I know my nerdy friends will be like, no, it's Colin Firth, but I'm just like... I just, no. oh, I adore 2006. And it's that moment where, honestly, it happens in every adaptation of it, where she goes to Pemberley, and then she hears how the, the like, the woman that runs the house, how kind she says that Mr. Darcy is, and she sees that sexy that bust statue. of him. Oh. Yeah. Yes. And then she realizes, like, oh, shoot, I missed out I on missed something out. really good. <laughs> and I remember driving away from Chicago just to go back to Nashville to see that friend and I'm sure to do other things. But I remember leaving and thinking in my heart, like, Oh, by the way, I am moving out of Chicago soon. But I was, I was leaving. I was had that like moment that like Pemberley moment. It's like, I really think I've cast aside a really amazing time. And then for the next, like n I then decided to stay. I found housing within a week outside of this millionaire mansion where I was not happy. Um, even though it was free, it was not worth my sanity and, um, yeah. And I found a job at a bakery that I stayed at until I moved away. And I loved working there. Hewn Bakery, Evanston, Illinois. Still a huge fan. I love them so much. Um, so that's where the search for pink started. And then through you being in Chicago, you got an acting coach. I did. And you started working on your second audition, mm -hmm. which Rebecca, I must say, when I heard that you were auditioning again, mm -hmm. I was truly proud of you because Thanks. it's not, sometimes people don't get past the first no. Mm -hmm. And you were able to take the first no, like kind of sit in that mm -hmm. reality of I did receive a no, but then turn around and try again. And honestly though, I didn't take it as a no. The, the wait list for me, I really can't tell you. I was so excited to get in the second time, mm -hmm. but that maybe was maybe even a bigger deal. Yeah. Just the fact that like, um, it was funny cause this guy, my friend, actually my dear friend, this is going to come out way later. She's auditioning for him for the same school tomorrow. And, um, the first time I auditioned for Rodney, Roddy Rod, um, he, we had this great connection. And so when I came in the second time, it was, I don't know, it was magic, but, um, second time. Yeah. So, um, one thing, and it's so funny, I like did my whole year revolved around this audition, but I don't think in a bad way, I auditioned for some theater and I think I like purposely self-sabotaged some of it. I was so nervous. 
I really don't audition for um, a lot of times when you start out doing theater auditions, you're oftentimes doing cattle calls where a theater is just trying to see as whoever submits, they'll they'll bring you in and you just do your audition, but you just do a monologue. And that's the same thing for drama school. And I absolutely hate it. I have a master's degree in acting. I know I'm good at it. And I still really don't know if I'm that good. And like I'm, I'm good at the monologues, but I really, my best work, I, I feel like getting to my 100% is very rare. But I feel like, I mean, sometimes my monologues can be like 40%. They're really difficult to do. Um, but I got cast in two different Shakespeare shows. Um, they were, one was community theater. It was absolutely so bad. I let no one come and see it. I remember you talking about that. You said, I, I didn't want anyone to come. And I didn't let anyone come except for a dear <laughs> high school friend. Um, who I just knew she knew she understood. Um, like the dude was in like, he, a dude was playing lady M and it was, which could have been cool. And then a woman was playing Macbeth and I was all for gender swapping. It was just, it was just bad. It was a terrible production. I just really can't put into words, but I read, uh, I read Tess of the Dubervilles backstage and it really did redeem it. I love Tess of the Dubervilles. Um, and really enjoyed that, uh, Thomas Hardy, but, um, and then I was in another production of Comedy of Errors and kind of like a no, I got cast. He saw, I knew what I was talking about immediately. I'm so passionate about Shakespeare. Don't get me on a tangent. Oh my gosh. Um, I would love to get like my doctorate and like go give lectures on it someday, but, um, just it, but all (laughs) of it, cause it's just, it's been around for. 400 years his work and it's still it's still the best thing ever and it's still challenging people but um so I'm dyspraxic it's a form of dyslexia and this is another kind of no is I've always been terrible at memorizing so I thought oh Rebecca everyone else knows their lines you don't you must not want to be an actor and it wasn't until Lambda that I learned it's a kind of a learning disability. Mm-hmm. But I, when I was in Comedy of Errors in Chicago, I didn't have all the lines perfect. And um, the the director chased me and yelled at me and humiliated me in front of the cast and then sent me an email and told me um, I needed to apologize to the whole cast and that he oh had someone goodness. lined up to replace me. It was really awful. Yeah. And that was another like huge blow to my confidence where I was like, I know I'm good at this, but for some reason... I did that badly and there was just shame. It wasn't even like, oh, I think I have a learning disability. I was like, I guess I just suck. Mm-hmm. Only like a good person, a good actor would do this right and I'm not doing it right. But I also knew I was good, doing a really good job. So it was, and I cared so much about it. So it was very confusing. He also was mad because I was always late for rehearsal because I lived so far away and I always underestimated how long it would take me. But then once that happened, I like kind of took a pull up your big girl pants thing. And instead of driving an hour before rehearsal and sometimes traffic would hit me and then I'd be late, I started leaving in between uh, two to three and a half hours before I had to be there. And then I would just sit in my car because I was like, this is not a mistake. I'm right. going to keep making it. going to be on time. Yeah. And then you got into Lambda. I did. You go, you moved to London. Mm-hmm. You spend a year. I mean, I'm really summing up your life right now. I love it. But That's what I did. You did. And then you moved to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And 
here we are. Here we are. Um, and I think an important thing to say before that is leaving London, I did two showcases in New York and LA. Yes. Um, in front of casting directors and um, different agencies. And I mean, some of the tops came and um, I had this weird feeling. I think I also knew for some reason the scene wasn't working, but also I was told pretty much like you're a petite white girl. Not a lot of people need you on your roster. And I was just kind of like, I don't think I'm blow away enough. It's like you have red hair. <laughs> I know. No, but like, I mean, I was kind of hoping that would be my saving grace, but I didn't hear back from anyone in New York. Went to LA. Was like, maybe it'll be here. One casting director reached out like last minute. And then, no, I think once I was home in Tennessee, Anyways, but it never panned out into anything. But my friends, like I had some, one of my dear friends um, kept getting meetings to the point of, I was like, can we go get brunch? Like, I'm kind of sad. And we were in New York and she just, she was too nice to tell me, like, I am so covered up in meetings and people that were constantly emailing her. I had this moment in the car in LA where one girl, um, who later turned out to not be very kind, um, like looked over her person in the car shoulder and she was like oh you got an email from that person they're lame they're they're sending out emails to everyone they're nothing and then someone else in the car was like I mean I haven't gotten an email from them have you Rebecca I just felt terrible and I was like no and I really internalized people are like you don't have the right look I think I was just didn't want to accept it was my ability um, or my talent was the reason I wasn't getting meetings. Um, cause that's maybe they didn't like what they saw, but, um, also I just heard over and over again, no one's going to want to meet with you because of what you look like, which guys, I don't have any, like, I mean, honestly, deformities might kind of help me at this point because I just have a look where it's just, I was just kind of told it wasn't like, you're so ugly. It's, I was just told pretty repeatedly, you're not special enough. You don't look special. It wasn't you're ugly. And um, I really internalized that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, oh, I'll just, and it's fine. I'm, and I would tell people. I wanted to tell people before anyone else was like, oh, but why? I would like tell them right out. I was like, oh, it's how I look. It's my look. And everyone's like, oh, but you're pretty. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm, not I'm not asking for that. Yeah. I'm not asking for that. I just. I, I don't care if I'm pretty or not pretty at this point. I want whatever look will let me audition for people. And no one wanted to see me. And so I went back to Tennessee for a few months. Um, I was also dealing with like the worst heartbreak of my life. Um, and I just was completely defeated. And I was like, God has taken away everything. And so I, I kind of thought, I was like, oh, these things meant too much to me. So God's punishing me and God wants me to love him more than anything. But at that point, I wanted to die and I was depressed. So I was like, no, I don't love you or anything at all. Um, and then uh, I was actually on the phone with the person that uh, it was the big heartbreak. And they were talking to me in December. And I realized um, they didn't recognize me. Just mentally, I was so... I don't want to say messed up. I was just so unhappy. I didn't sound like myself. Mm -hmm. And um, I was getting advice from them that uh, I would have been giving me a couple months ago. And um, and then I just realized I had to get out of there. 
So I messaged a girl. I had met an actor. I'd met at an engagement party a couple weeks earlier and I moved here. And then I was like, great, I'm here. Things are going to get better. And it didn't. Um, I, I did get an agent, but then she couldn't get me into rooms. Um, and then I later met some of the other people that she represented and it was like a black woman who's 50 and plus size, but also does stunts. And she was like, I work all the time. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, cause you're, you're so special. Yeah. And it's pretty much like an industry who will tell you like 20 something girls are the most oversaturated thing. And they're pretty much just like, no one's going to want to see you. And just getting told that repeatedly. But then also I have friends who aren't that far out of my category and they are getting auditions. And sometimes they complain about having too many auditions. Or then they'll say, I only had four this month and I'm just sitting there. It was actually like a week ago when one girl was like, I've only had three. And it was like January 6th. She goes, I've only had three so far this year. And I just went home and I... I we're halfway friend. in January when we were recording this. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and um, yeah, she she was complaining about ha- not having em- enough. And then I called one of my best friends and I just started crying. And I said, I they, they're so, not lucky, but we're in such different situations. And then she was like, honestly, Rebecca, I've never heard you bring this up. This like discontent of being told that your appearance is not even appearance, this discontent of never auditioning. And, um, and I was like, I really think I accepted that just my face or my energy was the problem. I had really internalized that because I think being upset was harder. So I would rather just accept it. And since then I've, I've, um, I have a podcast I have um, creative projects I'm working on and I'm, I'm, I I did a play, which I'm so thankful for. It was a professional show with the best people. Um, but film stuff, nothing has happened. And not yet. Yeah, not yet. And um, yeah, but I really internalized, like it won't happen for me a couple of weeks ago. And then it just really realizing how he had really given up. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, like right now, I kind of feel that way. Like you're talking about like, I'm going to be the Greta and you're going to be the Sersha. And I'm like, I don't really think I'm that good, but I do. Thanks. And I think the cool thing is in knowing you, I've gotten to see you and you weren't even at the beginning of your career that you are going to have when we first met, but I got to see a really cool side of your story your life to see you every day like bring this energy and the character Mm -hmm. to life to campers yeah (laughs) people don't get to see that and what was special was like I got to sit at the top and (laughs) control the lights (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that yeah it was kind of scary actually people could have come up and like said something but um just I just remember being in awe like watching you because sometimes I feel like certain people I can kind of see like what will be and you were one of those people that in watching you I had no doubt that you are an actress and I know that right now everything hasn't lined up the way that you've envisioned it but I don't think that you should discredit what has happened yeah because you have grown and you have done some really special things 
and I, I wanted to have this chat because I wanted people to know, even if our dreams don't look like what we would intend for them to look like at yeah. this point in our life, it doesn't mean that they're invalid. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at this point, I really just thought I would be in, um, I also guys, I'm from West Tennessee. So like I am a spinster. no no it's fine and honestly no I wouldn't have been able to do any of this and I'm so happy I didn't end up with any of the people I thought I would um but I think just being very very young I thought I would be married or in a good relationship all of them haven't which is fine um because I've grown and I wouldn't be who I am without them but and I also thought I would be working and um And yeah, it's interesting because I'm working on some different just personal passion projects, which I love. But also I think I'm kind of using part of it to just kind of hide from the fact I'm not doing what I want. And I love doing what I'm doing. I love collaboration. I love pushing people. I love like producing. Um, But yeah, I think, I mean, like what you said, I've been doing theater and I've been loving it more than anything since third grade. So you're like, how old? Like you're eight? what, eight? Yeah, yeah it's eight. Yeah, it's been, I've loved it more than I've loved anything else. So it's hard. It's hard, man. But also like working with people and making their own stuff, that's also really important. Um, there's a theater company I've kind of joined. Um, uh, but yeah, and they're making their own stuff and that's exciting and that's dynamic and amazing but it's still not it's good but it's a different thing like is it a good thing I never expected and is amazing yes but it's like an apple and an orange now I love oranges that's awesome (laughs) vitamin c (laughs) but it's still yeah vitamin c is awesome I think like apples make you poop or something so like I still need to you know oh my gosh (laughs) I said that just for you I felt like I felt like Yeah, I felt like you said that for me, but uh, I get what you're saying, and I don't have all the answers. What? I know. That's why I came over here. I've been here for like six hours just waiting for you to give them to me. You have been here for about six hours (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. I've loved it. Yeah. I love taking up people's whole days. Oh, I I give you my day. Yeah, thank (laughs) you. I like to think I'm an event. Rebecca, I love you, and I, I you. hope everyone that listens to this podcast will one day understand that they love you too. <laughs> well, yeah, I hope so. I love that. Like, they'll initially hate me, and then no. later they will realize no. that they they understand that they do love me. They'll just say, "Oh my goodness, I didn't know you had this beautiful friend, mm-hmm. Rebecca. Kristen, Where has she been?" I just want to say, I love you. You are. You do have a tree for a soul, and you have been so steady with my flakiness and whenever I'm with you I know that I'm so fully loved and I really I think that's what pretty much everyone's looking for in life is a friend that they know that they're loved by and don't cut this out you'll sneak (laughs) okay I'll keep it in thank you Rebecca I love you (laughs) I will put all of Rebecca's information in the show notes thank you for listening friend I hope you have a lovely rest of the day Bye. Bye.